0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: I'm my like Chip Oaks, man. I got this ya.
2: Welcome back, ankle pickers. We're here for episode 29, I think. 30. <laughs> Thirty, the big three zero. We got another downsized cast here. We got the set the spread team, is what I like to call. It. We got Country Club Kobe. What's up, boys and girls? And, words. and we got DK Kapper MMA, who still not. Who still has me crack, who still has me cracking up from the uh, pre pre recording talks. I um, only
0: got I have I only have one thing I want to say to our listeners, and it's poha.
2: So. So that's, that's how this is going to start with Poha, Danny cracking us up. And we're bringing back the recap because we actually have something to recap now. So we're going to, we're going to recap the Alistair Obrim versus Alexander Volkov fight. Uh, it's with a heavy heart that I say Obrien did not catch the W. So we're going to do three stars of the week, and we're doing it. As a podcast. So we, we got together and we talked about it as our podcast. And so our third star of the way the star with a negative star is, is a negative star. It is a negative <laughs> star. And it's a negative star that I want to, <laughs> I needed to give out. And that's a negative star to Michael, lowest fight IQ in the world, Johnson. The man's 20 and 17 now. I, he made it onto uh, DK Capper's cut list which is extremely warranted. And, I mean, respects to Clay Guida. He's a gamer. He's been around for a while. He wants to fight young guys. He is, he's happy to be in there. He wants to keep fighting. The dude's 39 years old. And, and he's, he's – I mean, he, he actually gave Bobby Green a tough fight. But, like, he's 39 years old. Michael Johnson is five years younger. Clay Guida is, was kind of like, I want to say, the, uh, the, the, the gatekeeper – he wasn't even really a gatekeeper. I mean, he was fighting like his last win was 2019 and it was BJ Penn. So if that means anything for you, it kind of tells you where he was sitting in the division and Michael Johnson came in 230, pissed on his hands and, and, and just fought a terrible fight in my opinion. So how do you guys feel about the first negative star in ankle pick history?
0: No, I agree. We, we talked about it last week. Michael Johnson is one of the lowest fight IQs in the history of the sport. He's a guy you never feel confident with your money on. We mentioned the fight before this one. At the end of round one, he was live like minus 2,000 and found a way to give Tiago Moises his ankle. He's just someone you can never trust. Yeah. You, you mentioned that cut list, and so I, I think I might as well list it out. I pulled it up. It was Michael Johnson who's now 11 and 13 in his UFC career. It was Mike Rodriguez, slow Mike Rodriguez by his own nickname, two, four, and one in his UFC career. It's Justin James who's now one and three in his UFC career. It's Molly McCann, she who retired. is three and three in her UFC m- career, but she retired on her own, as Reese just said. It's Martin Day, who's U- 0 and 4. That's yeah, an obvious one. He's and Jerome stupid. Rivera 0 and 3.
2: Yeah. And the the thing you mentioned the uh Diago Moises where he gave him his heel. Gotta remember he also dropped that decision to Stevie Ray. You cannot script this. And then do you remember that Josh Emmett fight? He was literally winning the entire fight, gonna coast to a decision, gets knocked out by Josh Emmett within his range with like maybe 40 seconds left. So if that doesn't tell you to never bet Mike Johnson again, I don't know what does. If, you, if, you, if you're continuing to ride him on this four-fight or five-fight or nine-fight skid he's on, whatever the hell it is, last win against Artem Lobov in 2018, then that's on and you. That's a
0: meme right there.
2: Yeah, then that's on you. Uh, so so that I had to give the first negative star in Angle history, and, and I think Michael Johnson will take that honors with, with a grain of salt, I would imagine. But that's that's on him. So our second star of the week is actually our ankle lock which advances to Country Club Kobe do the honors what does this advances to? Ten and four. 10 and four. okay so 10 and four on the ankle lock continuing to plow ahead making money but it is Ode Osborne and there's not a lot of notes to add to this one because it lasted a whopping 26 seconds.
0: Yep he landed that's
2: it. Used night, his, night. He used his length, length and just absolutely annihilated him. And Jerome, and that, that pushed Danny to give Jerome Rivera the pink slip. Pink slip on his locker so he went to take his gear off. The number one star, and I don't think it's going to be surprising to anyone who's listening, but Corey Sandhagen. And Nope, we had a negative star, two star. We've Cody got a second Goldberg. star. I counted Michael Johnson as our third star, and then we're going to have some honorable mentions. All right, fine. So our, our, our main star, because we had our negative star, Michael Johnson, our two-star, which was, because I counted that as our three-star, two-star, Osborne, and our number one star, Corey Sandhagen, bantamweight co-main, flying knee knockout, 28 seconds. And and this is where it gets interesting. Danny thinks that is the, better, the best flying knee in UFC history and tops Jorge Masvidal's five-second flying knee. Danny, I'm loving to give you the floor here because I am dying to hear your reason.
0: And I'm happy to take it. Yeah. I exactly what you just said. I think it's definitely knockout of the year. It's early in the year, I know, but I think it's going to be definitely knockout of the year considering the contenders we had last year, even comparing to the Joaquin Buckley. I like this Sandhagen one more. And the reason has a lot to do with the technicalities that went into it or, or how technical it was. And comparing it to the Mazvidal. Ben Askren won. you got Askren, a guy stylistically who's been a winner forever, but has kind of always been the guy who you know what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to go for that single leg or that double leg. I'm going to shoot right away. I'm heavy pressure. You're not going to get up. I'm going to ride you till the bell rings, and that's going to be rounds. Hori Masvidal just ran in and kind of threw it, albeit – that it was very precise, it was perfect on the money. This Sanhagen-Frankie Egger one happened almost – I was looking back, I don't even think that Frankie Egger was shooting for a takedown. I think that Sanhagen fainted a certain kind of thing and got Egger to duck his head under and do a little bit of a boxing dip, and that's when yeah. Sanhagen San Hagen threw it up the middle.
2: Sanhagen telegraphed it for sure. It wasn't a – it didn't look like a takedown to me either, but I do think Sandhagen was setting up the knee. I think it wasn't a –
0: yeah, I don't think it was – I agree. I think think he set it up, but I think he set it up perfectly. It was almost like Mazdal had it handed to him that everyone knew Ben Askren was going to run out there against a striker and throw a single leg. And Sandhagen was like, I'm going to make you throw your chin in the middle, and when you do, I'm going to tee it off like a driver, like a big bertha Taylor made.
2: Yeah, I just – seeing how Frankie Edgar got finished by Korean Zombies, seeing how Frankie Edgar got finished by Brian Ortega and so on, it's still very impressive. It's a phenomenal knee. One of, it pro, definitely the second best in UFC history that I can remember is phenomenal. Even the setup was amazing. The reason why Masvidal's ranks for me it is because he was drilling it nonstop before the fight, and then it landed and worked perfectly on a guy who – was outspoken thinking he's the best Walter welterweight in the entire world comes over to the ufc gets that questionable bulldog show against Robbie lawler and then boom gets absolutely popped there was just some i mean of... with
0: his outspokenness as ufc fans were we ever really close to considering that no but that's what made it even more
2: i think that's what built it even more they didn't like each other's animosity like there frankie is a guy
0: albeit you mentioned that he's been finished in now three of his last six for the longest time he was a guy yeah, who's no, for sure. known as durable.
2: Yeah, for sure. Most that fight, one most shot fight to fight like yeah.
0: crumple him. Oh my god. Yeah, awesome. They're both more the no awesome. matter what side yeah. they're both
2: unbelievable and we've gotten them in like a two year span. So How lucky. It's really starting to heat up. So a couple of honorable mentions. One honorable mention for for me and the the pod as a whole was Devontae Smith. We talked last week about we had questions about that Achilles injury. We had question about that big – he he was a big favorite, minus 750, closed at the minus 1,000 range against Kama Worthy and, and dropped that one via KO. And so then he, he has a torn Achilles, rehab, came back. To me, he looked phenomenal and well-deserving and honorable mention.
0: Yeah, and, he cast that yeah, under for me.
2: prospect, yeah. Good, good uh, KO victory and also land Justin James on Danny's cut list. And then the main card, which is something that both Danny and myself are too emotional to talk about, but Kobe insisted. Alexander Volkov in the main event.
1: He looked precise. He looked strong. It was all over after Reeve broke his nose, but uh, that's not a nothing win. And It's about time he got, you know, I'm not saying that he's ready to put up a fight with some of the top in the class there, but he's going to get matched up with them now.
0: Well, I'm just frustrated he couldn't finish Greg fucking Hardy and he finishes my boy Reem. Like, can we flip those from an emotion standpoint? I, like, well, I yeah, just I want agree. to see Greg Hardy get smashed and I don't want to see Reem ever get smashed.
2: No, could, could, couldn't could agree more. I mean, but when you look back at Alexander Volkov, I mean, he's a guy for the heavyweight division. I, I obviously think of his length. Like, that's the first thing that comes to my mind being 6'7". But I, I didn't really think of him as a finisher. I just, I didn't.
1: We said it last if, week. He's a point fighter. I mean, it's point fighter at, versus point fighter.
2: If you look at him, he's on quite the streak that got that got disrupted by Derek Lewis. But that was very similar to that Alistair Jardineo fight, where it was a last second, like literally last five seconds. Uh, Derek Lewis caught him. But he, I mean, he, I do
0: think that there's a ceiling for him in this division. Not to get too much into it, but he got absolutely dominated by Curtis, Curtis Blades. Blades. Yeah, he's not going to stand a chance against Nganu, and I think Miocha. If he gets the chance, comes away the victory Out of those
2: three guys, out of those three guys, who do you think is Volkov's easiest fight?
0: Stepe, and that's crazy.
2: Really? I think it's. I actually think it might be in Ghana
0: I think that. I, mean, I, we'll, think, we'll, I think we'll find out when Stepe yeah, and, we'll and Ingunu fight. It's, but right now, Ingunu's the favorite, and so I've got to lean that Stepe might is, just though, be this, a little bit too old.
2: The reason why MMA math never works is because it's all about styles. And, it's, it's, and, like, it's weird because you watch Curtis Blades get folded like a lawn chair twice in under a minute to Francis Ngannou. And so you're like, okay, he's really the top guy, and he's gotten absolutely annihilated by Francis Ngannou. But, like, I have this weird feeling that because he's 6'7", and because he's that point fighter who likes to slowly pick people apart, I think he could have a similar evade approach as Sipe, but actually apply more damage because he has so much range. I, 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 that's a fight I actually would be interested in seeing. Yeah, I would wow. love to
0: see that. I think Have we Blades, seen Rosenstrike
1: Volkov? That's got to be next, right?
2: That could be next. I, I love that match. We've seen that. Yeah, I don't. We've not seen that. We've seen Curtis Blaze. We've seen Walt Harris. And we've seen Greg Hardy, Derek Lewis. So
0: I don't know who I'd pick in that. I would love to bet the under or the underdog. I mean,
2: mm. yeah, I don't know. I think Biggie Boy's kind of gotten pumped through too fast. So,
0: so Biggie anyway, Boy so I, is a world class kickboxer, let alone I, I his his martial arts I, career. I
2: understand. I'm just saying that when you watched him get absolutely pieced apart by Overeem, it makes me look at that fight and be like, I don't know why Volkov couldn't do the same thing. Yep. Yep. And then he also got absolutely steamrolled by Ngannou. That, also is, that's, that, was, that was just another animal. So that's recapping last week's card. Good card all in all. Even better card because the ankle lock we, uh, won and your boy, Kingpin MMA, Reese, whatever you want, the host. I don't give a shit what you call you, you call it dipshit McGoober. I swept. I went four and oh. I went up six point six units. And I'm happy as shit going into this week. So call me whatever you want. We're green on the year. We were green last year, and I'm I only see nothing but green ahead.
1: At MMA Capper DK, how'd you fare?
0: Oh. I had a I had a good night too. I I had a two just I had one really stupid play. And I had one fight that uh, just didn't go the way that I saw that Joseline Edwards, Carol Rose, play was dumb. I don't know why I would ever be on the under of a woman's oh. MMA fight. It's just a dumb play. Um, and the Pantoja cape fight, I expected them to kind of just go at it more. They did a lot of respecting each other, which was something I didn't expect. I played the under. I bet a lot of unders this past week. I bet a lot of violence and a lot of violence came through. I went up, I'm green. But um, it could have been better. It could have been a great night. It was a good night.
2: Yeah, it, it's always a good night. So when, when when both the cappers are green and the ankle lock hits, I mean, you couldn't draw it up better. So that will parlay us over to news and notes. And I know Danny's got some funny ones. I actually have one today. It's kind of a quiet news week from what I've seen. I, it seems like Danny's going to come out hot with some crazy news. But my one thing is Asker Asker, a guy that we talked about, Got was a late scratch last week. He actually has been released from the, the UFC. And the reasoning is not what you would expect. It wasn't because he missed weight. It wasn't because he obviously can't perform. It was because of medical abnormalities that that's what cleared him. So he or what sidelined him. So I thought what sidelined him was COVID or a COVID related issue. It's not uh, the, what exact issues are, have not been detailed, but uh, a source close to the issue I'm getting this from MMA Junkie who quoted this source, but Asker Asker is released and it's due to whatever surfaced during this, the pre-fight medical exam. So uh, he's 26 years old. I hope it's nothing serious. You, you never know. And I, I hope we do see him soon. Once he gets cleared, I, I don't imagine why they wouldn't re-sign him.
0: Yeah, definitely but don't it, want to speculate. But Yeah, it's
2: scary to see something like right. that, so I, I wish him nothing but the best. But that's the only news that really caught my eye that was worth mentioning.
1: I've got one before Danny jumps in. Yeah, go ahead. Jimmy Rivera, Pedro Munoz is off this week. We had a COVID situation. It looks like it's rescheduled for later this year, but no official date yet. Jim Miller, Bobby Green stepping into that spot on the main card. Are
0: you sure? I thought it was Yule that was Step getting the pay-per-view bump. You'll go together now. It looks like it could it's could be Bobby
1: Green.
0: Oh, interesting. Then my whole bout order is wrong, but who cares? Um, the first news and notes that I had were a couple of Bellator schedulings. We have Pitbull who's got a fight scheduled, and Anthony Pettis ha- has a fight scheduled recent or upcoming in Bellator. And then to continue the Bellator news. They've announced a light heavyweight Grand Prix that's been making a lot of waves on social media. That's going to include Ryan Darth Vader. That's going to include Vadim Nemkov. That's going to include Yoel Romero, Rumble Johnson, Corey Anderson, Leota Machida. It's going to be a absolutely fun tournament. And I just want to maybe get Kobe's if he has it, but definitely Reese's predictions, what he thinks is going to happen in the Grand Prix. Or who he's gotten in his finals. So
2: yeah, I know Danny was talking about this. This Grand Prix is crazy, uh, and with that also, I don't know if you heard, but Bellator signed some sort of agreement with um, Showtime to, to to have the rights to Bellator. So that's, I guess, somewhat interesting news. The, the The Grand Prix is interesting, and I don't want to be that fish who just picks like a, a UFC vet. The dude, what do we? Uh, we got who we got Yoel Romero, Anthony Johnson. Who knows? Ryan. I'm Bader, taking the winner of that bad. one, by the way. You're taking I'll the winner the of fish. that one. Yeah. that's a fish pick. Yeah.
0: Danny, who do you like? Have you have you gone over it yet? So I, I'm I'm looking at the bracket right now. Got on the same side as that Yoel Rumble Johnson matchup. Um, Phil Davis versus Vadim Nemkov too. They Vadim, fought in the Vadim past. and Nem- Nemkov Vadim absolutely Nemkov. round him.
2: Vadim, I rode Vadim Nemkov against Ryan Bader recently when he took the belt
0: and he looked phenomenal so on the on the other side of the bracket is ryan Bader versus leota machida yeah that's, i don't know is leota machida like 45 at this point yeah
2: B- Bader will probably take that one
0: and then under them is cory anderson and a it looks like a kazik i don't i don't know him but i've actually seen him fight and he looked he's pretty decent i don't see this being an easy Corey anderson victory but i do foresee whoever wins this Corey Anderson other guy matchup to be, to beat Bader or Machida?
2: Yeah, I I mean I imagine Corey Anderson will win. I imagine Corey Anderson will be on the other side. I think I think Nemkov could be on the other side, and and I wouldn't be surprised if he takes it as a dog. I wonder what that would. I wonder if that would be.
0: It's just interesting with you all moving up in weight. I know he's always kind of been a weight bully and has been really heavy in the cage, but yeah. it, it's always interesting when a guy I wonder how up. it'll
2: affect his gas tank more than anything else.
0: So then along those same lines, we had the, uh, or I guess I don't want to move out of Bellator before mentioning that Zabit Magomed Sharipov, one of my favorite fighters, his little brother just got signed by Bellator, a cousin. And so that'll be fun. That'll be a prospect to look out for, someone I'm excited to look fuck. Look at that. CFA People pipe. came
2: here thinking that this was a UFC podcast, and they were mistaken. Covering Bellator out the wazoo this week. I love it.
0: And it doesn't stop as we move further apart, away from the UFC. We had a bunch of roster announcements in the PFL this week. Someone who's partners okay. with do ESPN+. Do the big Plus.
2: ones. The big ones.
0: Um, so the main, the main thing is we got the – the heavyweight roster that includes Verdum alongside Ali Isaev and uh, one of my favorite unknown prospects in the heavyweight uh, realm of just mixed martial arts is Dennis Goltsov. someone I think who can make a lot of noise here as well as Muhammad Usman is in that uh, PFL division. And then, the other the other division that was of note was obviously um, with Showtime Pettis and the Lightweights, but the PFL season is something I'm looking forward to very much so. And lastly, we've got our ridiculous news of the week. Go for it. Our celebrity boxing update. A fight booked between Lamar Odom and pop star Aaron Carter. Some uh, a a man who has beaten Shaq in a one on one basketball game before. I was say now he's already beaten the wrong Laker, a different Laker. Oh my lord! And then also, there's a lot of talks. I know Rough and Rowdy is a promotion that we pay a little bit of attention to. There's a, there's a lot of talks that the headliner for the next event might be pro football commentator from Pardon My Take Fame versus Darren Ravel.
1: Yikes for Darren!
0: I've seen him try to run a forty,
2: and not fast.
1: Not
0: fast. <laughs> <laughs> no quick, no quick twitch.
2: Yeah, I know. I know there was a rough and rowdy event this week where Jose Canseco got fucking
0: absolutely stuck. Part oh. yeah, less than ten seconds. Billy football. Another, pardon my take podcast. Yeah, I, I don't know much
2: person. about barstool, but I just know that
0: that I just
2: I know Jose and and I I couldn't help but laugh. So that recaps news and notes for the boys. We are now moving on to ankle lock of the week before we get into the new card, because this is a first ever appearance on the ankle lock. We're doing a parlay. And and the reason why is because we just couldn't decide on one because they're both so good. And the parlay makes it a little bit more manageable. Sorry to
0: step on your toes, Kobe.
2: Oh, yeah. Kobe needs us to step on his toes. My
1: parlay of the week needed a week off. I'm on like yeah, I was
2: about to say, he needs a three-week skid. So, we're me and Danny went through the whole card, talking about where we thought, who we thought, what we thought, and it was both overwhelming that these two guys are going to absolutely roll through their opponents, and the parlay money actually pays pretty well. So, Danny, I know you said your notes are going to be hilarious. So, if you want to take it over with the payout, Ball's in your court, my man. What's our ankle pick this week, or ankle lock?
0: Well, yeah, so our ankle lock is going to be the parlay of Adolfo Vieira and Bilal Muhammad. Those are both a couple of fights where I looked at – I watched a lot of tape, and I came to the conclusion that it was really one-sided, and then I looked at lines, and I realized that Vegas agreed with me. And so it was a a weird situation where Reese and I got together, and we agreed on a parlay. And – I'll get into the breakdowns when we get into the breakdowns, but this is one I feel really confident about. These, these are two parlay pieces that, if you've got any bet on the rest of the card, throw that with these two and just increase your odds. This is gonna be fun.
2: Yeah, and so we got it. If you parlay both of them on five dimes, we got it to, to minus one seventy five. If you shop lines, or if you wait closer to fight night, you m- you might do better. You might do worse, but. 175 is beyond manageable, and both these guys have a very small window of losing. Uh, and if anyone, if anyone caught it, the the, the main reason that I had Danny take it over is because I didn't want to pronounce Hadalfo or or whatever the hell. Hadalfo, yeah, Rodriguez. So going up, going up this card, we're we're going to shorten it a little bit here instead of Bogdan down Bogdanoviching you guys with pointless tidbits or or notes we're going to mainly talk about the fights that we that probably will see our card or we have some to play but i'll list the fight off and and read the line anyways to get you guys thinking about what might make your cards so the the curtain jerker on the early prelims is jillian robertson versus miranda maverick and and that line oh best fight odds didn't do it in order this week okay Miranda Maverick is minus one thirty-five. Julian Robertson plus one fifteen. That open is at Miranda Maverick minus one ninety-five, which is just crazy. So sharps have steamed it down on Julian Robertson, but still, that is seems crazy. I don't know. I don't know if Danny. I know Danny
0: swore off women's MMA, but that line seems sketchballs to me. You said it. I, I swore off women's MMA, but this one actually might be a play for me. I know it actually might. Robertson has the BJJ advantage in my head, but I think that's about it. I know. Let me put it this way. This went from something I wasn't going to tape to now I might tape. (laughs) That seems weird to me. Miranda Maverick, I think, is better on the feet. I think she's stronger, more athletic. I think she's the better positional grappler. I think that Jillian is great jujitsu, but it comes from being in a top position, being in in an advantageous position to get subs and I don't see her being on top here at all. Um, I think that Maverick should be able to overpower her sub attempts just with their strength. And I think that when you look at this one, it'll see, seem like Maverick and her are in two different weight classes. This yeah. one might see my card. And by might, I mean, it's strong probability. Yeah. You're not allowed to mention, you're not allowed to talk about women's weight, Danny. You know, this uh, Walter weight bout, Gabe
2: green versus Philip Rowe, And this also isn't in order, but Gabe Green is minus 140, Philip Rowe plus 120, and, and that's seen some movement as well. Gabe Green opened it at um, plus 100 and now is the favorite. So I'm not sure what sharps you're seeing there, but eh, I'm interested. Welterweight bout, two
0: up-and-comers. I'm excited to see it. This is a weird one for me. There's going to be a big height discrepancy with Rowe at 6'3", with an 80-inch reach but he's the kind of guy that hasn't seen like a third round more than twice in his career. It's going to be interesting to see if he goes into deep waters. Green was a guy who has shown to take big punches. He took all of D-Rod's power. In I was his about debut. to say, he
2: fought D-Rod. Philip Rowe, I think was on contender series maybe. Yep. Yeah. So
0: young, young uh, guy. This, this one, I, I could lean green KO. This is probably just a pass from me, but it's going to be an interesting matchup. Just in terms of how Green manages the complete size discrepancy, I hope that Roe doesn't get in the clinch and just wear on him.
2: You rarely see that type of size discrepancy, and then that guy would be the favorite, but you'll see it again later on the main card. Uh, And then to, to cap off the early prelims, which this fight is the one I'm made one of my more excited fights in the entire card Ricky Simone versus Brian Kelleher. And I do want to take a second to stop on this one. Because this is a featherweight bout, we Rick we recently saw Ricky Simone, and Brian Kelleher is like Mister, like he always gets overlooked, and always seems to to come out with a W. So this line is I'm actually interested on this one. Brian Keller plus two o five, Ricky Simone minus two forty or yeah minus two forty five. So that line seems about where I expect Brian Keller getting overlooked again, but do, Brian Keller can wrestle and he has good jiu jitsu, so I, I'm I, this one
0: intrigues me. I'm actually excited for this fight. And we also mentioned, I think on last week's pod, uh, recapping uh, some someone else, but Brian Keller has a money guillotine with yeah. Ricky Simone's style. I I see him shooting for a lot of takedowns here. His wrestling look absolutely phenomenal a couple weeks ago and he's got a quick turnaround and interestingly enough this is at a weight class above that's all i was about to mention and And i actually i actually think it's probably better for him that he doesn't have to cut weight twice in like four weeks or whatever having fought at both feather and bantam i do think the line's kind of of appropriate appropriate i agree i mean look under two and a half a little bit i'm seeing it at plus 175 I see that Kelleher could get a knockout, could get a guillotine, and I'm seeing that Ricky Simone could out-grapple him and get a sub. There's an interesting play, maybe a sprinkle at plus 175 for the under two and a half. Yeah,
2: I mean, he Kelleher, for someone who had a little bit of a layoff for, for, for 2019, but fought three times, he was pretty active in 2020. He had a quick guillotine against Ray Rodriguez. That was like a 30-second sub or 40-second sub. And then he lost to Cody St- uh, Stamen. who that fight, I feel like, could be similar to this one. Um, but to go to decision there, I don't know. That, that one could be a dog play. But like you said, Dan, the under also looks appealing in that one because both have the ability to finish that fight. Okay, so then starting the prelims off, and this is where it moves to ESPN, a catchweight bout between Andre Ewell, who, recently, who his fight last week got scratched, and then Chris Gutierrez. And the line on this one is Andre Ewell plus 120. He was plus 140. Drip just barely uh, has dropped. He his bike got called off recently, right? Or am I mistaken?
0: I'm unsure. I okay. don't have the Okay, Toby, do you have
2: any word on that? Was he scratched from last week's card? I can you work, work
1: on it. I don't know. My All head right, it's
2: not the end of the world. Okay. So, anyways, Ewell's finally fighting. It's it is a catchweight bout. Um, was Danny, he, I know. the Oscar Oscar.
0: I think he was. Yeah. So to, okay. So he Oscar Oscar replaced him. He was supposed to fight Cody Stamen.
2: Yes. Okay. That. Okay. That. Yes. So that was last week, and so he it's now a catchweight bout. I'm assuming he he must have rehydrated or something because it, it's going to be a, a in between a weight class above, but he's fighting or it could be Chris Gutierrez on Chris Gutierrez as well. But so this is going to be a short-ish notice fight um, to start the prelim off. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this one as well. Should be a striking
0: fight. Right. Gutierrez is taking this on short notice. This is one stylistically – I don't have a play yet, so I'm going to go quick. But stylistically yeah, is just... interesting. Yeah. Uwe is someone I see as a – not I see. He is a boxer. Um, he's known – or. He's taped that he kind of is heavy on that front foot as in that boxing stance, a good counter puncher. But Gutierrez is a guy who really takes advantage of those calf kicks and could absolutely chew up someone who's got a lot of weight on their front foot. And at the same time, Gutierrez is a guy who exit those exchanges with his chin up in the air. And so I could see Ewell with a good counter punching background, the good boxing background getting a KO on one of those counter punches where Gutierrez is exiting poorly. So this is a stylistic matchup I'm excited for, but I don't really see what side I'm going to favor yet.
2: Yeah. Women's strawweight bouts next. I'm sure Danny's going to be quiet for this one. Mallory Martin versus uh, Poliana Viana. Poliana Viana. That was
1: surprisingly Um, pretty close, I think. Now I,
2: I mean I'm way, I know she's Brazilian, so I'm trying to figure out how to pronounce it, but um, nonetheless, the line on that fight is Mallory Martin minus 145. Mallory Martin actually recently came through for me on that five round play where she was down two rounds and finished it off anyways. so showed all the heart in the world to get the finish. So I love Mal for that. But other than that, I don't have
0: anything on this fight at least at this moment in time. For me, this is a classic wrestler versus a striker or wrestler versus a jujitsu woman. Pollyanna Viana is not a striker. Um, <laughs> Martin is great takedown. I
2: wanted you to do your thing first. No, no. <laughs> no, no. you corrected yourself.
0: Yeah. Uh, Martin is great takedowns. She looked bad against Janji Hoba, but Janji Hoba is kind of in that elite class of jujitsu. Um Pauliana is good, but I don't think she's world class in her jujitsu. This could be a good opportunity to play Martin. I'm probably not going to see my card as reset. I don't love women's MMA, but and it, and it pains me to do so. This seems like a great opportunity to take wrestling over jujitsu. Pauliana is just not at that elite level yet. Yeah, it could that
2: that that could definitely also see the over, but it's gonna be minus 500, so it doesn't really matter. So, now the next two fights on the card before we get to the MCC and the main card are, I'm gonna, I'm kind of gonna bundle them together here, Danny, because they are our ankle, what our ankle lock is. It's the Bilal Muhammad versus uh, Diego Lima fight. And it's also the uh, Hidolfo Vieira versus Anthony Hernandez fight. And both those lines, as previously stated, are something ridiculous in the 400s. We did parlay together. So, on five dimes, you can get uh, Vieira at minus 380. And then you can get Bilal Muhammad at minus 410, open at minus 325. So he's seen a ton of sharp action there.
0: So but- just to peel back the curtain for our listeners, kind of my process for taping is we do the set the spread and I find out like whether I'm off or not, maybe on the on the line, but I don't really know the line. I'll tape it and then I'll write down where I think the line would should be. Kind of similar to the set the spread process, and then I'll check it. And in, this is the case where I was almost on the dot with these two. And I was like, man, I don't feel comfortable betting either of them at that price. But together, I love them. I think that they're appropriately minus 400s. I think that they're, by the definition, what we say, locks.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, Blah well, Muhammad is a guy that... I. Usually, always sees my card. I think he's um, an underrated fighter. And then hadolfo Vieira, he recently fought like Sergey. Some I can't remember his name. Got no hair on top of his lid. I'll tell you that much. No, but no lettuce bucky for him for Sergey. But he he is like the definition of a guy that's chiseled to absolute stone. And Anthony Hernandez is a guy that he came off of Tuesday contender series as well but he is like one of those in the similar perennial fades for me. Uh, He recently got absolutely annihilated by Kevin Holland, but he hasn't showed me anything that I get excited for when I watch him fight, think that he's dominant. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't, if this, if this doesn't make it out of the first round, I I think it's going to be a quick finish for. Yeah. I I I agree with
0: you so much there. Vieira is 2-0 in the UFC. I mentioned that Viana doesn't, have world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu here does have world-class
2: Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and he's very technically sound he got top mountain his last fight out like like a hot knife through butter and he when you look at the weight class at 185 I mean he is cutting so much water to get there and he's like five percent and then Anthony Fluffy is his nickname Hernandez has it looks like a fucking mini or a, a Kevin Gastelum type where he's he's definitely packing it in so just even the strength in the clinch, the strength behind the punches, I think you're going to see they're in two different leagues.
0: Yeah, I see this I see this over the second it hits a mat, which I see happening in the first two minutes by whichever sub Vieira chooses. This I think it could end on the feet. Him. I'm not even kidding. I think it could end on the feet too. Like, I'll I think, be surprised there, but no, regardless, Vieira, and is going to kill him. I think, can
2: end this any way he wants to end this. I think he's going to choose to do it. My guess would be a head and arm choke from the top maybe. How does that sound?
0: Is it wild that I want an omoplata? No, it's not wild. I think that's that he's going to play around. I would love I think that he's so much better than Hernandez here. Yes. I. Agree. Okay. We're, we
2: we've we take separately, but we're seeing the same thing. So I love to see it. Um,
0: so that's good and stuff. Omoplatas are rare. For you listeners that might not know Jiu-Jitsu as well as me or Reese or whoever. More like a Von Floon type. Omoplatas or... are very rare. There's maybe there's single digits of them for finishes yeah. in the UFC at this it's point. Von in
2: Floon, plata, and Calf Slicers. Those are like the ones that if you see, get, get stand up and just start. And a twister. A twister. Twister. No, that is Bryce Mitchell and Bryce Mitchell only. <laughs> and and Korean Zombie had as a twister. Korean Zombie did have a twister too. Um, always good stuff. But so that actually is going to cap up the prelims for us. Ending. Hopefully, we instilled more confidence in the ankle lock this week. I'm feeling really good about it. Will definitely see my card. So, Kobe, this is the time of the program where I pull turn it over to you. Take take the reins, my man.
1: MCC, here we go. No changes to the standings overall. So, DK still in first. Recent or Parker in second. ah. Recent third. Myself in fourth. And uh, we may have a sponsor of the MCC this week. And I don't know it to be true, but it looks like if you can check out at Parker parkerrejos on instagram looks like he's sponsored by kyla kombucha now so (laughs) i don't think that the three of us have ever had a
0: kombucha but we can go ahead and give ourselves a sponsor for this isn't kombucha that like fermented tea yeah
2: my aa sponsor won't let me have it i can't even (laughs) smell the alcohol it's good to keep off the shakes though danny if you're tired of drinking um, drinking mouthwash in the bathroom on thanksgiving to keep the shakes off you can transition to
0: kombucha and everyone thinks you're healthy I don't know shit about kombucha, but I'm going to guess that it's gross as shit. It's just fermented like something.
2: I don't know. And for all those listeners out there, if you want to keep your sanity, don't, don't drop that follow. It smells <laughs> like
0: stanky armpit, I'm guessing.
2: Don't drop that follow. So uh, you just updated the MCC results. Uh, Parker will phone his in. I'm assuming Kobe will be on top of that for the graphic this week. That is always dropped on Ankle Pick Pod over on Twitter. So we'll get into it. I, I uh, what orders should we do it in, Kobe? This week, it should it go DK Danny, myself? R P C K. All right, let's do it. So, first, first fight uh, on the card is Maki Patolo, a middleweight bout against Julian Marquez. Julian Marquez, that's 31 month layoff, something crazy like that. And the line there is Julian Marquez minus 165. And Maki Patolo plus 145. And if you listen to set the spread every week, you're already familiar with these lines, but now they're more ingrained. The movement has kind of been baked in already. So they will be a little bit different, but the idea is the same. Danny, lead us off. What do you like in this one and why?
0: This is a really tough one because if I'm advising the listeners with my betting knowledge. It's a pass. But Patolo has been so inconsistent. He doesn't have the best cardio or the best fight IQ. And as Reese said, Marquez coming off a two-year layoff, who knows what he's going to be. He technically is the MMA math advantage with the win over Darren, the dentist Stewart. But I just don't know. I like my Hawaiians. Marquez cuts the cage off. Well, he's a little bit hesitant. I'm going to go with – I'm going to play a prop because I'm so unsure about this fight, and I just want to take a flyer. I'm going to go with Marquez by decision plus 270, it looks like, on five dimes.
2: Okay. So something that Danny's been doing is – he did it last week, and it hit for me and him too, and he's he just did it again. He, this one, not as much, but he, last week, he didn't want Benel Darius. She was so, he was on the fence, came to the right side and it hit. And, and so when Danny gives me that, that nod of confidence that he is now on this side, it usually works. I was a little bit up in the air too, but I wanted Julian Marquez. Danny hopping the fence, made it even that much more sure. I'm going to go Julian Marquez. I want to get risky and do it by finish. I actually think he can get the KOTKO and drop some jaws. I really do at plus 250, but I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to do the minus 165 for Julian Marquez, just in case it does go to decision. I don't want Danny just touching the gap on me, but I like Julian Marquez a lot there. I think we're going to see a new Julian Marquez after that 31 month layoff. I really am. I'm excited
1: we were just talking about off camera the, the fact that I write my picks down prior, but I'm on Marquez in the distance. So DK threw me off. Reese brought me back to earth a little bit, but that's where
2: I'm sticking plus one hundred and sixty. Okay, good man. So did, did so you you did that little preempt? Did you have that written down, or did you do a flip flop on us? No, I
1: did. That, that
2: was oh, my play.
0: I'm sticking with head. all okay. my guns.
2: Yeah, good man. Stick with your guns. Don't flip flop on us. But so you got a unanimous sweep, and hopefully Parker's on the the Hawaiian. And not to
0: give away my strategy, but I think Reese, you'll see another flip flop as we move move up the card.
2: Hey, flip flops are winners. But I Patola looks so fucking bad against Impa that I just like I don't even. That fight IQ
0: just wasn't there at all.
2: God, it was bad. That was bad. That was a bad outing. So moving up the card, we have a lightweight bout against Jim Miller. If you haven't heard him, I'm shocked he's in every. I feel like he's fighting every single card, and he's fighting against Bobby Green. Um, That line is going to be Bobbeth Green. Bobby Green minus 255, Jim Miller plus 215, and that hasn't seen that much movement, especially since set the spread. So 255, 215, respectively. Danny, lead us off.
0: So the way I see this, I have Miller being at a huge speed disadvantage, also probably a striking disadvantage. That being said, I think I see Jimbo being able to slow this fight down through initiating the clinch and maybe landing a few takedowns. Green's takedown defense has always been questionable. I see Miller being able to steal two rounds maybe. I love the value at plus 215. I think that it might even pepper up as we get closer to fight night. I'm going to take the dog Jimbo Miller just straight up here.
2: I like all that. I like, I love all that. I see everything Danny's saying. I agree with everything Danny's saying. However, I'm not going to be on Jimbo. um, The dog here. I I am going to be on Bobby green. Main reason why is I was on Jim Miller against Pichéll. That didn't go well. He did win the first round though. I was on Jim Miller against Scott, Scott Holtzman. He lost. That did not go well. So Jim Miller, you, you, especially recently, as he's aged and as he's come back from Lyme disease, which he openly talks about really changed him. You never know what you're going to get with him. And and I don't think he even knows what he's going to get. And so I don't want to put my hard-earned money. I know this is hypothetical on that. Now, Bobby Green, I remember being very disappointed in his bout in a
0: la- the last couple of his bouts. Um, he went but, on like a one-in-five streak, right? Yeah. The one time in his career. Yeah, but even even still, he that bout with Clay
2: Guida, I mean, I was very unimpressed. Lando Veneta, that was supposed to be an absolute banger after he dropped the split decision. It was, it was good, but it, I, I, there was more to be desired. Um, he recently lost to Thiago Moises. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm going to get from him either, and I just I don't feel good about this one at all. The way I'm going to play it is I think both of these guys are veterans of the sport. Both these guys have been around for a while. I don't see a finish happening here. I, I kind of am piggybacking off what you said, but going a little bit different route here. I'm going to go Bobby Green. And I'm going to do it by decision. Um, so, yeah, Bobby Green wins by decision. That's minus 120.
1: I did some quick MMA math before looking at the line here because this one wasn't part of set the spread. Right. I was just saying dog or bust here, so I'm sticking with Miller plus 215.
0: Okay, there you go. So, Reese, not to get too bogged down, just a quick tidbit. Would it change any of your thought process if you found out that Jim Miller had three successful takedowns versus Dustin Poirier, two successful takedowns against Dan Hooker, and two successful takedowns against Anthony Pettis? I would not be surprised. Jim Miller's an absolute gamer. I think Bobby Green has – not even measurable takedown defense against those three names.
2: Hmm. That's interesting. So you're just expecting Jim Miller to just grind it out from the top.
0: I I'm a expecting him to slow it down. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. what you say? I'm expecting him to slow the fight down make it his pace. Jim Miller is just a very similar fighter to
2: a clay Guida type, like a guy who pushes the pressure and is always on top of you. And and like Bobby green being the vet, he is he's seen that. And so I, I, if let me put it this way, I wouldn't be surprised if either of these guys get the decision. I, I just, I like the decision and I think I'm going to take the minus 260 at the decision. Um, so, minus 120 is a steal in my mind. But I, I, that is a good tidbit for all you listeners out there. If you think Bobby Green is going to lose if he ends up on his back, that's an interesting tidbit for you. Moving up the card, we got a middleweight bout against Kevin Gastelum versus Ian Heinish. This one, I remember, Danny got right on set the spread, and I looked foolish, and I was way off on the line. Kevin Gaslam's minus two thirty, Ian Heinisch plus one ninety.
0: Yeah, Reese said that I had a good idea on this one, and I really, I really kind of was keyed in on what Vegas might have been thinking. I do think that Kelvin Gaslam is the better mixed martial artist. Everywhere that being said, the same thing that Reese was seeing. The Calvin Gastelum that we've gotten recently has been so hit or miss, such a roller coaster to follow. This is one I'm not going to put my hard-earned dollars behind. This is a pass for me. I think there might be a pink slip in Gastlum's locker if he loses D and and drops four in a row. And at the same time, I think that he's still a legitimate top 15 ranked fighter. So it's a weird kind of yeah. mix-up.
2: I mean, we've seen ranked fighters go in this new wave. Yoel, who's already made an appearance on this show. But, yeah, I mean, dude, get, go do your pick. And, and, and I'll tangent off what you said. Because a lot of what you said, I, I agree with.
0: I am going to go. This is another one where I don't feel super comfortable on either side. So I'm going to take a flyer on a prop. I'm going to take gasoline by a knockout i think that the power is there give me the plus 440
2: plus 440 okay
0: i think that that's a good number i would and for those listeners i was almost on heinish by decision
2: so if that tells you anything um for me i i don't agree with the pink slip aspect of what danny said I think that kind of like how Michael Johnson stuck around in the UFC because of his good wins, I think Kevin Gastelum, like, I think that, that fight against Izzy alone will keep that pink slip out of his locker. But I agree. Four fights, kid. What worries me is my, the last Gastelum I saw was the Jack Hermanson Gastelum. That was a bad But guess.
0: you didn't even get to see that Gastelum. You didn't. He didn't and- get to get in the flow of anything. He didn't get to react. He just Heinrich, got caught.
2: I think Heinrich is going to fight a very similar fight style. To Hermanson. And I think that Ian Heinish is going to be able to just grind this one out. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Danny is right. I like Gaslam is a talented fighter. I just have never liked him at middleweight. I'll continue to not like him at middleweight. And and that doesn't change all of a sudden that he's gotten older and has dropped four in a row. So I'm going to go Ian Heinish plus 190 and I'm going to take that one to the bank and cash that ticket.
1: I'm also on inish 190 and made that pick off of Reese being kind of dumbfounded by where that line sat two days ago.
2: Yeah, 200 seems shocking to me. I won't lie to you. Um, 190 seems like value there for a guy who is still a top 15 middleweight and he's a true middleweight and he's fighting a guy who's undersized on a four fights kid who just got tapped out by a white
0: guy. Okay, I I don't think that Kelvin's undersized. I think he's undersized power, I, th- I think he'll have the power advantage in this fight.
2: Yeah. I, I I I he's got he does have a rare power to him for sure.
0: I just and see him, I just see him nice. kind of better everywhere. And I, and I don't I don't expect him to ever re- enter I a fight in wrestling at this I point in his career. Even,
2: I think Ian Hines even agrees that all, even if Calvin Gaslam has the power advantage, that this is still a very winnable fight for him. Very winnable. Um, I know Ian Heinish in a, uh, a a interview recently this week called him one-dimensional. He's like, I'm going to totally destroy that one-dimensional Calvin Gaslam. So <laughs> I don't want to go that far, but I know you said he's a better mixed martial artist, but I think Ian Heinish watched that Hermanson fight closely. I know it was short but I think he's going to come in here with a similar game plan. And so I'd like to see Calvin Gastelum spoil it, but we'll, we'll find out Saturday. That's what I love about this sport. Uh, Women's flyweight co-main. This one's going to be tough to predict. Macy Barber, 22 year old fighting out of Chicago. Illinois. boys. Who knows? This might be my future wife one day. Who knows? uh, Fighting Alexa Grasso, who is another top flyweight. This line is Alexa Grasso minus 125. Macy Barber plus 105, but it opened at Macy Barber. Plus one sixty and is steamed all the way down to one hundred five. So you see a ton of line movement and a ton of money backing the young phenom Macy Barber. Where are you at on this one,
0: Danny? So I see. I'm I like Macy Bar- Macy Barber as a prospect, but when I break down the styles of this fight, she has the power advantage, but not much else in her path to victory. Um, I lean Grosso by decision. Even though I'm worried that this is taking place in the smaller cage at the Apex, I think I'm just going to play Grasso straight up in terms of the MCC. Give me that minus 125. This is the flip flop that I alluded to earlier.
2: Yep. And the flip flop is going to come home for another victory. I'm on Alexa Grasso. I was thinking maybe decision, but Alexa Grasso, a lot of people are like, oh, the women's over. I even joked about it this on this pod that the women's over usually hits but alexa grasso finishes fights she's got like i know her last three or four have gone to decision but she's got four finishes in the ufc and i'm i'm excited to or four maybe four finishes in her career but i'm excited to see this fight I, I i don't think it'll be a finish i think it'll be a decision but i wouldn't be surprised if, if grasso does finish her in the shortened ring like you said gimme grasso I'll take the -125. I'll call it a discount and let's let's call it there.
1: So much for sticking to my guns. I was on Grasso decision, but I think I'm talked out of it after just, you know, the 50 points difference in the spread. So I'm going to take Grasso -125 instead of Grasso decision
2: +125. Okay, so you're still on Grasso, but you're taking a different approach. I respect it. A lot of money coming in on Barber as you see here. But it also could be looked at as another way where now you're just getting Grasso to discount because people are riding the phenom, which happens a lot. And so if you, if you really believe in Grasso, then this is the time to get her on a fire sale because the money's clearly backing the, the, the younger prospect. So I'm excited. I, that's actually a women's fight that I'm really excited for. I, I'm excited to see how that one goes. I think it's going to be a, a stand-up battle, and I think you'll see some, some fists fly. Welterweight main event and we will differ here so this one's exciting Kamaru Usman defending the Welterweight belt against Gilbert Burns the line is steep it is Kamaru Usman minus 275 Gilbert Burns plus 235 the line has moved about 30 points against Kamaru Usman it opened at 245 Danny, I know where you're at. All our listeners know where you're at. Everyone knows where you're at, but I want to find out by how and why. Let's hear it.
0: Yeah, everyone knows that I'm a big Dorino fan, but I don't want to move past that I'm also a big Uzman fan. I'm not looking past him. I, I have all of the respect in the world for Kamaru. I'm a big Kamaru fan. I've made a lot, a lot of money from backing Kamaru. I I read, I mentioned a re pre-show that I read a stat earlier this week that of UFC fighters who have X amount of grappling time. And it's, I think it's somewhere like 30 minutes of grappling time, a lot of grappling time. The only two in history who have over 90% control time of that are Kamaru and Khabib. And that stat is very telling. Usman is a Dominant, dominant fighter, even when he stood up for the entire time versus Colby, he got that KO, even though he might have dropped a couple of those rounds, if he didn't get that KO, who knows where that decision might have been, but whatever. That being said, I'm on Burns, I love Burns, I love Burns' jujitsu. I love Burns' power, the main reason that I've leaned Burns so much after reviewing the tape and listening to interviews. And I've really gone out of my way. I've tried so much, even DMing fighters from Sanford and coaches or people that have worked with Henry Hooft. And I've gotten a bunch of replies. I'm asking who has gotten the better of this advantage in those sparring rounds between Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns. At Sanford MMA, it's a weird situation where you've got two guys in the same weight class at the same gym, and there's one guy that's holding the belt, and he's the guy who has to move. He's the guy who has to find a new home, find a new gym, find new teammates, be uncomfortable. I wouldn't look too much into that. I wouldn't look too
2: much into that because. I almost you could even look at it as a boat of confidence. Like they're friends, they, they but this is business. And was like, you know what? Take the gym. I don't care. I'm gonna cross you anyways. Go ahead. The, but
0: like at, at that point, when if me. if you're the champ, like if we'll look at it from a couple of perspectives. If, well, you're, the owner, the if you're the gym owner, if you're the gym corner? owner and you have a champ or you have a contender, who do you back? You back the champ ten out of ten times. If you're the champ and you've essentially been undefeated since your tough loss do you go and you're thinking like oh i need to like find something else that's gonna beat these other guys or do you think like like i guess not do you think but if you move is it because you know in your sparring rounds with people in your weight class you might be missing something it's because you have to show them something different that you might not have yet so what kind of answers do you get from these instagram people anything so i i the in the answers that i've gotten have been a lot along the lines that each of them have gotten their licks in a lot that no one dominated any of the sparring rounds but that was very even and that leads me to believe as crazy as it sounds i might like this over four and a half play yeah, it sounds we right. know that we're we know that they're teammates, and we've talked in the past that teammates like to play patty cake. I know that this is a title fight, and it's going to be a, a lot different. But these guys know each other. These guys are going to be very apprehensive about giving any of them the advantage that they know, and they've worked together for an actual decade.
2: Yeah, I, it's there's definitely multiple dynamics to this fight that you rarely see, and I'm really excited for it. It's just hard for me to to. I'm, I told Danny this before. I told Kobe this before. There's very few guys that I just blindly put my money on because they've never failed me. Habib is one, John Jones is one, and Kamaru Usman's one. I've never lost a Kamaru Usman fight. I don't foresee it happening this week either. I will admit stylistically, this is the fight I'm most worried about. I think that what Kamaru Usman brings to the table, I think Burns is almost excited for. He wants it. He's like, sure can take control time. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna sub you. You know what I mean? And, I'm and if it becomes
0: a Colby Covington situation, are you comfortable striking for five rounds with Gilbert? I'm happy to know that I've seen Ooh. Kamaru do it. I'm happy
2: I, I, I I'm I I agree those those are but five. I think that
0: I think that Gilbert being a former 155er is going to be a lot quicker than Colby or Kamaru was in that fight I think that in terms of striking in terms of just landing combinations and piecing things together maybe not so much knockout power right, or anything you know, like Kamaru that leaves leaves
2: desired within the striking but I wouldn't be surprised if this goes similar to like the almost like the emil Mac fight where he just kind of just uses his top pressure and just has a, a good enough knowledge to stay out of submissions but it, I don't you know what you're over four and a half might not be terrible.
0: I get, so I gave my two cents and I'm gonna give my MCC pick. It's gonna yeah. be Gilbert Straight. If you okay. are a listener, you're gonna look at my card. I'm gonna have the over four and a half play, and I'm gonna have Gilbert. And in some lines, it might be combined with our ankle lock parlay. Um, but those are gonna. That this is the way I see the fight. I'm a. I have a lot of respect for Kamaru. I'm excited for this one. I hope. I really, really, my biggest hope. Is that sometime in the future Gilbert and Kamaru can be teammates again? They're two of my favorite welterweights in the entire world. I think they make a lot of each, I think they make each other a lot better, sparring with each other with the jujitsu versus the wrestling background. And I'm just so excited for this one.
2: Yeah, I-, I think both of these guys are like stand-up class act guys. I think after this fight's over, it'll be back to the same old. I do I am interested to see how the corner situation shakes up. I don't know if that's been announced yet on who's going where. That's going to be interesting to say the least. However, I'm I'm opposite Danny here. I, re, I respect everything Danny has to say. And I think that if you're listening and you're you you like what Gilbert Burns brings to the table, I think this he could maybe do it. But that's the the nature of this beast is they always could maybe do it. And Usman to me, as long as I've been backing him, I felt pretty comfortable. Even when he was down to Col- Colby, even when he was, I've always felt good. And I'm going to continue to ride this train. He's a freak athlete. He is one of the craziest athletes I think I've ever seen. And he's got unbelievable wrestling. And I tell everyone this, if you're going to start MMA, what foundation do I, would, would you want to have? More than, <laughs> so, more than Jiu-Jitsu. More than striking, you want wrestling. If you have dominant wrestling, <laughs> no, go look at every champion. Every champion has a, a the starting foundation, the building block is wrestling. And I continue to think that I mean Gilbert Burns can wrestle, don't get me wrong, but Kumaru Usman is just a, another and,
0: and, and Kabib can roll and every, all can everyone everyone the yeah. Jits combine with the wrestling. They
2: all can do no it one all. No throwing
0: topside triangles from wrestling practice. They all
2: can do it all, but but Kumar is just a, a guy that I, that just blows me away every time out. And I'm going to continue to ride it. I'm not going to do anything funky with it. I'm going to take my free points from Danny on the, the MCC. And I'm going to take Usman with the line, baby. Just the whole thing. I'll eat it all. Like Kobayashi.
1: So I'm going to be watching with some actual casuals this weekend. I'm going to be in a ski weekend. And I think the way that sure. I'm going to describe this one is, you know, there's a reason why Usman's the favorite that he is. And it's, it's pretty justified. But I also can't look at a plus 235 Burns line and sit there and be like, yeah, I'm not going to take that. I'm going to be on Burns. I'm going to tell these guys that I'm with that, you know, he's probably not going to win because Usman's on the other side of that. But uh, tell me if I'm off base or not. But that, that's that's my preface. I'm taking Burns plus
2: 235. No, that, And I've been saying the whole thing. Like, out of all of Usman's matchups, even Colby, I see – Dorino's path to victory being the clearest here. I, I think that he has the clearest path to victory. It wouldn't surprise me in a second. If we hear Bruce say and new, I just think that it, that getting a guy like Kamaru ever is, is free money and I'll take it no matter who he's fighting. I just really think he's that physically dominant. And so I'll ride it till I'm wrong. I'll ride it till I'm wrong.
0: Can I put a little tickler in our uh, listeners' mind? What are the chances that we get a plus six thousand fight is a draw? You're slow tonight. you like
2: <laughs> I think I think it's possible. I don't know who's getting the 10 8 though, and I don't know who's losing the point.
1: Right. I, I, in order to get a draw, some weird things gotta happen in UFC. Well, it's got it's, it's mainly
2: a 10-8 or someone needs to lose a point. Or, or we get some split judges. But if you get then it's just a split decision. On two different
0: rounds. I know you still have a split decision. What are you talking about? The points can add up <laughs> to a split decision. Unless you, get to, you get a couple close rounds and you wind up with this a, with a you draw. Need a it would have to time.
2: be a
1: majority draw for it to draw.
2: Yes, it needs to be a majority draw, not a split decision. So you, so you need two judges or, 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 to have
0: or, or, yeah. even points total. And 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 this is a fight where that's not wild.
1: I don't okay. hate the logic, uh, yeah. but I if, <laughs> there's a lot that has to go. Like
2: if if that sees your card, I'll be I'll be, I will crack my that my ass off. So a lot of laughs here on this programming, and shockingly, the panel is on. Uh, the dog here burns. It's exciting. I know it's gonna be. <laughs> gonna, hey, hey, who knows? No matter what, the division's gonna get shaken up this weekend because whoever bent draws Gilbert Burns, if he loses, is in trouble, and whoever g- draws Kamaru, if he loses, is in trouble. So we're gonna see some drama shake up in the welterweight division. Uh, that's it this week. I I think we're all done here. Kobe, enjoy your ski trip. Danny. <laughs> I d- You've been funny as hell tonight as always. I these are always a blast. So that's it for us on the Ankle Pick Pod. Subscribe, rate Life, review, age rate review, chirp, whatever you want to do
1: at Ankle Pick Pod on Twitter. Poha. Poha. <laughs>